So we'll pick up where we left off last week, looking at the account of uh, John, the announcement of John's birth. And this morning, we're going to look at the announcement of Jesus' birth to Mary, okay? So let's pray, and uh, we'll get into God's word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We want to uh, just sit at your feet this morning, Jesus, praying that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd give us eyes and ears to see the wonderful things that are in your word, Lord. And we pray that your spirit would just magnify Christ to our hearts this morning, Jesus, that you would be, uh, that all things would point to you, Lord, that the written word would lead us to you, Jesus, this morning, the living word. And so we ask your blessing upon this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's check it out. We, we, looked, at, we looked at the announcement of John's birth last week. We'll, we'll pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So sixth, sixth month also happened to be the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. We're going to read a little bit later on here. And Gabriel was sent to the town of Nazareth, a little town. I don't know, it calls it a city here. I've been, I've been to Nazareth. It's a little town um, in the Galilee. Now, the appearance of Gabriel is super fascinating. Once again, we talked about this a little bit last week because the angel Gabriel, is his appearance is always very significant and we want to connect it to prior appearances of him. And so in our hearts and minds, we should go back to Daniel chapter 9, where in answer to Daniel's prayer, uh, Gabriel was sent to communicate to him that the Lord had heard uh, his prayer of repentance, that God had responded to that, and God had seen the suffering of his people in their time of exile. And Daniel was given a time frame for the coming of the Messiah. It's an amazing chapter, Daniel chapter 9, where he says, uh, there'll be 69 sevens or 483 years from the decree of the Persian king until the rebuilding uh, of, uh, sorry, the decree of the Persian king for the rebuilding of Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah. It's amazing that even Isaiah prophesied about this. Isaiah prophesied 150 years before that time in Isaiah chapter 44 in Isaiah chapter 45, he named the Persian king Cyrus before he was born. He prophesied that Cyrus would give the decree for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the foundation of the temple, and he would give permission for the children of Israel to return. And in those prophecies of Isaiah, the Lord called Cyrus his instrument. The Lord called the Persian king Cyrus his shepherd who would say of Jerusalem, she shall be rebuilt and of her temple, your foundation shall be laid. So these are incredible prophecies of the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 44 and 45, uh, 700, Isaiah 700 years before the time of Jesus. Daniel, more than 500 years before the time of Jesus. And Gabriel had appeared to Daniel, and then, you know, the angel uh, Gabriel's appearing uh, happens to Zechariah, as we saw earlier in this chapter last week. And, and Gabriel's appearing was always in connection to a message of the coming of the Messiah. And so, 
500 years after Gabriel had appeared to Daniel, he appears to Zechariah to tell him of the miraculous answer of prayer, the miraculous answer to his prayer for the nation and for his own family that his wife Elizabeth would bear a son in her old age. But not only that, that uh, her son, their boy, John the Baptist, would be a forerunner to the coming of the Messiah. So when Gabriel appears in the scripture, we should, we should connect this to the coming of Jesus. And when he appears for the third time in the biblical account to a virgin in the city of Nazareth, we say, okay, this has something to do with the coming of the Lord and the person of the Christ. Now, Luke says this, the virgin's name was Mary. And there's a general belief. She's probably about 15. Could you imagine uh, getting married at 15? I don't know if there's anybody in the room that did that here. Um, but she was about 15 years old in that culture. That was the time at which she would be betrothed and have this period of betrothal prior to her marriage. Betrothal is not unlike uh, our engagement, except, you know, it's of greater significance. It was legally binding to, and a betrothal was, uh, you had to have a divorce. And during the betrothal period, the bride and groom would remain in their parents' homes they would not consummate the arrangement or consummate the marriage until uh, the wedding ceremony. And so Mary was a virgin and Mary was betrothed to Joseph, who we read was a descendant of David. He was a village carpenter. And so it's just kind of interesting to think about Gabriel's appearance to Zechariah, Gabriel's appearance to Mary, and some of the differences in the stories. Zechariah was prominent. He was a priest that lived close to the city of Jerusalem, whereas Joseph was a Galilean in the backwater town of Nazareth. Uh, he's, what's amazing about Joseph is this, is that Joseph is the heir to the throne of David. But he's working in a little town as a village carpenter in a place of little to no significance. I think this about Joseph, I mean, we don't often ask this question, but was Joseph seeking the throne of Israel? And the answer is no way, not a chance. The heir to the throne was almost hiding out, I would say, though he was a righteous man. I mean, if Rome wanted to kill somebody that was maybe a threat to their ruler power, maybe it would be the heir to the throne of David. So there's Joseph, he's living in this backwater town. Israel had had uh, no king since the days of the Babylonian exile. The covenant promise to David was that one of his descendants would rule on the throne of Israel forever and that his kingdom would never end. A covenant promise to the house of David, to the children of Israel that at this point was not fulfilled and did not have the appearance that it was going to happen anytime soon. So that's, that's Joseph. And Gabriel appears to the woman to whom he's betrothed to, a virgin named Mary. And we read this, verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, she try, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him 
the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What an amazing announcement from Gabriel about the coming of the Messiah. Um, And he begins by saying this, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And the idea is this, is, uh, the idea of highly favored is this, is that grace is upon her. That's just what the word favor means. It means grace. Grace is upon Mary. The Lord is with her. And I, and I think this, well, why was that, you know? What was so special about Mary? Is it because of something in Mary? Well, you know, Often that's a question that we maybe even ask about ourselves. We think about this when we experience the grace of God. So why me, Lord? You know, why am I get to be an heir of salvation? Why would you pour your grace out upon me? And there's part of us that when you begin to think like that and ask that question, you go, well, you know, why wouldn't God have chosen me? You know, there's something in there. God has found something deep in there that was very appealing to him. He's found some good somewhere. He's found something in us, some righteousness where we have been found worthy to be recipients of his grace. But that's not what the word of God declares to us, is it, church? God's word says that all have fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. And when God in his sovereignty, chooses to set his grace upon his life, that action is entirely based in himself. Isn't that awesome? It's just of his own free choice. In fact, God says this in his word, that he chooses the weak things of the world, that he chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise. He even said that about Israel. That you weren't a mighty nation. You weren't anything great. It wasn't because you were great. It was because you were weak that I chose you and I could display my glory through you. And you know, Mary was not of great significance because of something in her, but God set his grace upon her. And by the Holy Spirit, she, she actually prophesied this. We're going to read this later, that she said, all, nation, all, all generations will call me blessed from this time forward. And she is, you know, the blessed virgin Mary. Every every Jewish girl knew this. They were raised with this thinking that one day the Messiah would be born to the seed of a woman. It would not be the he would not be the seed of a man. He would be the seed of a woman. And each Jewish girl held to the hope that maybe her womb would be the blessed womb. This was the cultural expectation and the hope among their young woman, and that favor and grace, that blessing was upon Mary. Not that Mary would get the glory, not so that Mary would get the glory, but so that the Lord would get the glory. But when Gabriel appeared to her, she was greatly troubled. The scripture tells us that she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, we read this and it's like, I kind of wonder, like, what was she up to? What was she doing in the middle of all of this? You know, We read that when Gabriel appeared to Daniel, it was while he was in prayer. We read that when Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he was standing in the temple offering prayers before the altar of incense. What was Mary doing? Was it in her own quiet time with the Lord? Was she out for a walk in the hills of Nazareth? Was she, 
you know, having time, a time of personal prayers. I don't know, was she going about some of the, the domestic chores around her parents' house, hanging laundry or whatever it is? It's kind of fun to think about. But Gabriel appeared to her and said, don't be afraid. You've found favor with God. And favor is grace. And the fact that the angel repeats this, Mary, you're highly favored twice, is just telling us that the Lord truly has set his favor upon this woman. And then Gabriel gave her this message. Let's read it again, verse 31. It's good. And behold, your womb will con- you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom There will be no end. Wow, what an announcement, eh? Wow, Mary, your womb. God has chosen it. And you will bear a son and you are to call him Jesus. The name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation or Jehovah is salvation. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says this, that Christ came into the world to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is salvation. And the word of God tells us that Jesus is the one name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. That there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And Gabriel said, Jesus is going to be great. And I love this theme when you think about this and all of the scriptures things that the scripture has to tell us about the greatness of Jesus. Jesus said this, that in the days of Solomon, the queen of the south came from the ends of the earth to hear his wisdom. And then he said, but I tell you, someone greater than Solomon is here. Jesus said, the people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah And Jesus said to the crowds, but I tell you, someone greater than Jonah is here. One day, Jesus pointed to the temple and he told his disciples, something greater than the temple is here. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well said to him, are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well. And Jesus said, if you knew who was speaking to you, You would ask him and he would give you living water. Jesus said that his testimony was greater than the testimony of John the Baptist. He said that the works that he was doing testified to the fact that the Father had sent him. The Pharisees asked him, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Are you greater than the prophets? Who do you make yourself out to be? When Jesus raised the dead, The crowd said, a great prophet has arised among us. Great crowds gathered around him, and the scripture says they were greatly amazed. Look at Jesus is the prophet greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Aaron. Jesus is the priest greater than Melchizedek. In fact, the scripture says he is the great high priest. Of his greatness and his kingdom, Gabriel said, his righteousness, there will be no end. When Gabriel says his name is going to be great, he is not messing around. 
He says, he shall be called the son of the most high, the son of God, who he was before he came into the world, equal with the father in all things. All things that belong to the father, Jesus said, had been given to him. From all eternity, he was and is the son of God. Jesus, the Messiah, was to be recognized and he was to be worshipped as the Son of God and as God himself, the Son of the Most High, and nothing less. And Gabriel said to Mary, God is going to give him the throne of David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And I love this because if we're going to interpret the greatness of Jesus and the deity of Jesus We have to follow through with that principle into the next verse with regards to the throne of David. This is a reference to God's covenant with Israel and with David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, his kingdom promises to Israel. And Jesus is the savior of the world, but he also came to fulfill the promises made to Israel and those who were the fathers of, to those who were the fathers of the Jews. And and the word of God tells us that today, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father that the Lord has said to him, David prophesied, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And church, one day Jesus is coming again and he will establish his righteousness and his kingdom on earth and these promises uh, will reach their fulfillment in their entirety. Amen? He's coming. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Paul said, before Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Daniel saw this vision, Daniel chapter 7. Look at what he said. It's going to come up on the screen. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. This was the vision he saw. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Isn't it awesome that we belong to a kingdom that is eternal, that shall never pass away, that cannot be destroyed. I love this. Gabriel affirmed when he's talking about Jesus, he affirmed his humanity. He affirmed his deity. Very God of very God. Quite the announcement to a 15-year-old girl. (laughs) What could she say? I mean, can you imagine what a shocking experience? You know, if the angel isn't enough, she's told this. You are going to carry the Son of God in your womb. And the obvious question, I mean, we all ask at this, as great as this announcement is, there's a problem, right? Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, this is a good question about biology. How will this happen? This isn't, this isn't, look at, I mean, this isn't a question of unbelief from Mary. This isn't an expression of a lack of faith. She believed the promise. We're about to read that. But she didn't understand how it would happen. She's like, Lord, I'm a virgin. Or Gabriel, I'm a virgin. So look at verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth 
in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So the angel answered uh, Mary by telling her that this conception of the son was going to be a miraculous event. It was going to be a miracle. It was going to be the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned this last week. I'm going to mention this a lot throughout the Gospel of Luke. I mean, the Holy Spirit plays a very prominent role in the Gospel of Luke. He's given an important place. And the angel says this conception was going to be by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was not going to be the father of this child. He's going to raise the child as his own. You know, it was possible, I guess, when you think about this, that people might think different things about Mary. It's like, well, you're betrothed and you're pregnant. I mean, has she been unfaithful to Joseph? Was Jesus born of fornication? I mean, the Pharisees accused him of that. And this is, I guess, part of what Mary had to bear all of her life. But, but Gabriel points out this. This is important, that this child is holy. He's the son of God. He would not share in the human nature of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus knew no sin. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, Jesus did no sin. 1 John 3.5, Jesus had no sin. He was holy. And, and his body was prepared in that womb by the Holy Spirit who overshadowed. It's an amazing miracle, isn't it? Which amazing is, too, I guess, is this is the same description of what happened in the, in the tabernacle, Exodus, in the book of Exodus, when the glory of God filled the, the tabernacle. It was so thick, the presence, the cloud, the Shekinah glory, so, so thick that Moses was unable to enter the tabernacle. Or I think of the account of, of Uh, Genesis chapter 1, where the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and the Lord used him. He He worked in the midst of creation. This is a creative act of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. In Mary's womb, it's almost like it's, her womb was like the holy of holies for the Son of God. And so to encourage Mary, Gabriel told her this, your relative Elizabeth, who's been barren, has also conceived in her old age. And this is proof to you that nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything. And when he speaks his word, uh, it comes with power to do the impossible. With him, all things are possible. Now check out verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here's Mary. She's like the great hero, one of the great heroes of the faith, isn't she? Like those before her who went before her, Mary believed the word of the Lord. She believed what the angel had said to her. And in her belief, she responded, I am willing to be a servant to the plans of the Lord. So favor was upon her grace. The word of the Lord came to her. She believed And now she could be used by the Spirit of God to accomplish the will of God. See, that's how it always works. The Word of God comes to us. In faith, we receive it. And then we can be used by the Spirit of God to accomplish the will of God. And in the original language, the word servant is the female form of the word bondslave. 
Say, handmaid. I am the Lord's handmaiden. I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. So here's Mary. She trusted God, totally trusted him. She said, with my body, with my soul, with my spirit, Lord, I will serve you. Amazing example, isn't she? Amazing example to us. So now she knows that she's going to be... Uh, a mother, she knows that her relative Elizabeth is expecting in just three months. So she wants to go see Elizabeth. We don't know all the details, but she's going to go see her. Let's check it out. They rejoice together. Verse 39. In those days, Mary rose, went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. Uh, I mentioned last week that an, another theme of Luke's gospel is the emphasis that he plates, places on, on women, the prominent place women get in the story of Jesus. And, and he focuses in on this, and these two women were related, but geographically they lived far apart. Uh, socially, they lived in different worlds, you know, Elizabeth being the wife of a priest and Mary engaged to a village carpenter. Uh, there was an age difference. Mary was old, the text says. and uh, Sorry, Elizabeth was old. Mary was a teenager. And all of these differences uh, between them, but together they shared a secret that they knew about for months before anybody else. That, that Elizabeth knew about for months before anyone else would know about Mary. I mean, you know, you think about this pregnant young woman and you have to wonder what was going on in the mind of that teenager. <laughs> having the visit from the angel and having to keep things a secret and make the long journey to visit Elizabeth. And when they met, there was the older woman, Elizabeth, who had been barren, swollen, pregnant, you know, that big belly. Excitedly, they greeted one another, exchanged hugs and kisses and whatever happened. And then Elizabeth steps back from Mary and she is filled with the Holy Spirit and things get loud, I would say. You know, it's interesting. Luke says, she spoke in a loud voice. You know, sometimes the Lord speaks in a still small, still, small whisper. Other times which seems to be more prominent in the common in the scriptures, when the Holy Spirit fills, things get loud. Sometimes that's one of the things that makes us nervous about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's like, well, we like orderly and controlled in our Western culture, church culture. But when Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, she speaks in a loud voice. And she says something under authority and the power and the inspiration of the Spirit. She sees something, I would say, that she did not recognize before. By the Spirit, 
She understands things that she did not understand before. And with clarity of vision and clarity of understanding from the Holy Spirit, she opens her mouth and she begins to prophesy. These are the these are the things the Spirit does to magnify Jesus. That's, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to just point people to Christ. And Elizabeth says three things of consequence to Mary. First of all, she says, congratulations, which is what we do, you know, when we hear the wonderful news of a mother expecting a child, right? It's like, hey, congratulations. This is awesome. There is reason to rejoice, to celebrate to share in the joy of an expecting mother. And you would think that, that when they met, it would have been Mary congratulating Elizabeth because it's Elizabeth that has the swollen belly. After all these years, she's you know, experiencing a miracle and she's six months pregnant. But Mary, and here's Mary, she's probably, I, I imagine, not even showing, hadn't said a word to Elizabeth, but by the Spirit, Elizabeth speaks out and it's a loud congratulations of this pregnancy. Blessed are you among women, Mary. Oh, how happy. You are to be congratulated. God's blessing is upon you. And then came, uh, I would maybe like call it consternation from Elizabeth. She said, but why has it been granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You know what's amazing? Elizabeth is the first person to call Jesus Lord. The very first person. Thomas was the first of the disciples to do so. He called Jesus my Lord and my God. And that was after experiencing, you know, three years of ministry with Jesus, seeing Jesus crucified, and then having the risen Lord appear to him. Elizabeth confessed by the Holy Spirit Jesus is Lord, but not just Jesus is Lord. She said this, my Lord. Lord means king. Jesus is my king. That's the confession by which we're saved. And Elizabeth says something that I think must have been an incredible source of comfort to young Mary and confirmation about the work of the Lord in her. I mean, she says this, when I heard your greeting, when it came into my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. I mean, you think about Mary. Comfort and confirmation. Just because she believed the Lord didn't mean she didn't wrestle through all the wonderings and the thoughts about what was going on and what God was doing in her. And I, I like this on a side note, of course. Baby is the biblical term for a child in a mother's womb. Did you catch that? That is the biblical term, a baby in the womb. And the baby, John the Baptist, whose ministry was to go before the Lord, whose ministry was to be a forerunner and to point the nation to Jesus, from the womb, he who would be filled with the Holy Spirit, identified for his mother that Mary was carrying the Messiah. The one, to the one whose ministry would be focused on pointing people to Jesus did it right from the womb. It's like amazing. John's ministry of pointing people to Jesus began three months before he was even born. Then Elizabeth says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. Mary, I can see you're happy. 
Because you believe that the word of God will come true. You know that the happiest people in the world are people who believe that the word of the Lord is coming true? Don't you think that? That's the secret to joy. That is the secret to real joy. Faith and the word of God and the filling of the Holy Spirit. His word is being fulfilled. It is coming to pass. You know, it just makes me think about the second coming. Jesus is coming again, church. And we have nothing but his word for it. And we put our faith in his word and it is a source of joy and hope and comfort in days of uncertainty. Mary believed God's word and she was happy. And at this point, she speaks because praise is an infectious thing. It's more infectious than COVID. Praise is infectious. When people praise God, others want to participate. Praise gives birth to praise. Iron sharpens iron. And Mary was a woman, we find out, steeped in the word of God. The spirit, we're going to read this in a minute, the Magnificat, it's called. The spirit-inspired words come out of her mouth, but they don't come from nowhere. You know, sometimes we think that, well, words of prophecy, does it just come out of Nowhere, no. Mary was a young woman steeped in the word of God. These words definitely have the influence of Hannah. First Samuel chapter 2. She sang a song of praise to the Lord at the announcement of the birth of her son, Samuel. And, and Mary's prophetic uh, word was from the Holy Spirit, but it was inspired by her own life being steeped in the word of God. See, that's what will happen. When you hide the word of God in your heart, David said this, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The spirit of God will draw it out. And so here it comes from Mary. It's called in Latin, the Magnificat. Let's check it out. We'll read this and then we'll just wrap up pretty quick here. It says this, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. In Latin, this is called the Magnificat. It's, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord which means my, I want to make God greater with the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart. I want him to be greater. It's not like, you know, you know, sometimes we tell a story and we do something, we call it exaggerating. This isn't the exaggeration of Mary. It's the Magnificat. She is magnifying the Lord. It's not an exaggeration. It is praise. And she says, my soul rejoices in God my Savior which tells us this, that Mary knew she was a sinner. 
in need of a savior. She's not the perpetual, you know, virgin, our access to the father. She was a sinner in need of a savior. And she praises God. She praises him. Let me point out a few things. She praises God for his blessing, his grace, his generosity. This is how she saw his his work through her. She said, all generations are going to call me blessed because God has been so gracious to me. She praised God for his integrity, for his consistency, for his faithfulness to his own nature and character. She said this, he scatters the proud and he brings down the mighty. He exalts the humble. He exalts those who have a correct view of themselves in light of who God is. He gives undeserved mercy to those who humble themselves because we know this, we deserve nothing but death and punishment for our sin. And I love this as she speaks. This is no sappy, you know, love thing from Mary. This is like awesome. Mary does not declare this. I mean, this is where the church has gone wrong in recent years. She does not put the prominence of her message on the love of God. She puts the prominence of the message on the holiness of God. She said, God brings down the proud. But those who come to him in humility, he has mercy upon him, upon them. You know, the word of God, before it ever teaches and declares to us that God is love, it says first this, that God is life and that God is light. Genesis chapter 1, that's how God is first revealed as both light and life. In John chapter 1, when it tells us that the word became flesh, it says this, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And Mary preaches, declares to us the holiness of God. She says his name is holy and his mercy is upon those who fear him. I love this. It's like a woman who knows to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The holiness of God. Mary praises God for his faithfulness. She says, you're faithful to your covenant. She praises him for his fidelity to the, to the offspring of Abraham. She praises him because he remembered his promise after two thousand years he remembered what he said he would do and he was sending his deliverer the Christ the Messiah man I forget stuff after two minutes but not the Lord he remembered and he fulfilled his word and so from Mary we have beautiful words of praise and the text tells us that Mary remained there with Elizabeth until the time of John's birth And so the beautiful account, this beautiful narrative of Gabriel's appearing to Mary and Mary's trip to Elizabeth and this song of of praise and prophecy that comes forth from her lips. And what do we learn? We learn a lot about the Messiah, don't we? We learn about the message of the gospel. We learn about uh, the miraculous power of God to save and to work in the hearts of humble people. And I'm reminded of the gospel, the gospel message, of course, that that tells us that we are created for a relationship with the living God, that God has made us in his image. We are born for relationship with our Father in heaven. But our sin, 
has severed that relationship, broken it, damaged it. And though God wants a relationship with us and we want one with him, there is no meeting because of sin. And into that mess, the Father sent his Son, Christ, who bore our sin, went to the cross on our behalf, bore our sin in his body on that tree, died in our place, buried and was raised from the dead. And when we place our faith in him and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, repent of our sin, we find out this, Jesus, that name, that name is Jehovah's salvation.